Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Vinny. Hi, you road to growth listeners. Today, I got two for the price of one. I rarely have two people on here. We're going to try something different and... Usually I have people that have kind of already been through the journey. This is kind of a newer one. They're in the earlier stage of everything. Even the information, NFTs, people listening right now or watching right now might not be fully sure of uh, even what NFTs are. So a lot of this information, a lot of stuff's going on right now is more kind of cutting edge, at least for, I mean, us old timers. I don't know who else listening right now is, is similar to that. But we have Nico Ramirez and Isaac Dubuque. Did I say that right? Yeah, you said that right. Oh, man, look at that, man. I'm usually really bad on last names, but I'm doing great so far. So you guys are the, the founders of Verilink. Which one wants to kind of give a little insight? I know it's about NFTs, about blockchain, making it easier for artists to get their stuff out there. Again, I'm just saying words. One of you guys can probably describe it a little better. Who, who's up there? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll okay. take that. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the CEO um, of Verilink, and I, I co-founded it with Isaac here. Um, yeah, we, we want to bring, uh, I, I want to help give some meaning to those, to those words you just said, Vinny. Um, and, and so what, what we do is, uh, we link physical objects to NFTs that are on the blockchain. And the reason we do this is because NFTs have some properties that are really nice. Like they can't be counterfeit. Uh, they can't be stolen. And you can transparently see their provenance. So their like the history of ownership and where they came from on the blockchain. And so we want to give those properties that are very unique to NFTs and apply them to physical objects in multiple industries. And right now we're focusing on art. Now, NFTs for people who are listening. I mean, it's I heard about it probably about six months ago when one of the Padres baseball players was sending out NFTs, uh, Fernando Tatis. That's kind of how I heard it roughly. And then now I've seen a lot of transitioning happening where people selling them for a couple thousand to you know a couple million. Can you describe them in a little more detail? What's uh, NFT? And then process we're going to go into blockchain too. Just try to, if we're talking to like maybe a fifth grader, um, maybe a fifth grader like 10 years ago, how would you describe it? Right. Nico, if you want, I can take this one. Sure. sure. Yeah. Is a, uh, it's a non-fungible token. So the, uh, the word non-fungible, it just means that each asset is unique. So for a Bitcoin or uh, another cryptocurrency, each currency is indistinguishable from the other. One Bitcoin is equal to one other Bitcoin. You know, the same thing as, you know, a dollar bill is equal to another dollar bill. So that means it's fungible. So each one is uh, indistinguishable. So on the other side, you have this non-fungible token, which is a distinguishable entity on the blockchain. And what that means is that um, it represents a unique asset. And in this case, if we think of the blockchain as a big database that holds a, a lot of information, an NFT is an entry into that database. And that entry can, t- can contain uh, media, uh, like digital content that we've seen in the, the OpenSea NFTs, where people are trading around JPEGs and GIFs. Um, it can have documents associated with it, or even code through smart contracts. And with your guys' platform, how does this vary to what's currently being done right now? Yeah, so, 
there's a as you mentioned there's, there's a ton going on in nfts and right now I, I think most of this like pretty much everything that we've seen revolving nfts revolving around nfts has been purely digital so um like like jpegs videos uh people are the nft gaming industry is starting to take off um you might have heard of that but uh but no one's really done anything in the physical world and like like i said earlier we want to we want to take those really cool properties of nfts and and basically give them to phys- give those properties to physical objects okay so it's because uh, from what I understand with like Bitcoin, a lot of that stuff, and, and we're going to get into your story into how you got here. What I understand from like Bitcoin and a lot of these other platforms, I guess now there's platforms you can actually look at them. But before it was you had to have that on a hard drive and that was the only way you had access to it, right? Before? Uh, right. So I, a, lot, a lot of times in the early days of Bitcoin, people yeah. would hold their own wallets. So they'd have their own private key in storage. And that represents their account on the uh, so the private key is a secret key that you keep to yourself that has uh, pretty much contains your account details and your your it would be essentially your password for your banking information. Um, and people would hold that in the early days on their their own wallets, so they would store that somewhere and then sign transactions with it. Um, but nowadays, you see a lot of uh, big uh, companies like uh, Coinbase and others that are actually doing this for people. It's funny. I, I hear myself talking, asking questions, and I almost feel like this is how people are talking. So what do you talk about? WW dot. This is the website. Yeah. Is that going to be doing anything fancy? 10 years from now, 15 years from now, this is probably going to be like the norm. So talking about you guys, you guys look fairly younger. Have you guys always been into this kind of, this kind of world, into the online presence into building apps or where did this kind of love come about? Yeah, we, uh, we graduated, we both graduated, uh, actually 2020. So, so yeah, we are definitely younger. Um, and, uh, for, for me personally, like I've always liked the intersection of like digital and physical things. Um, and I, I think Isaac, has had some of that too like we we worked on a project uh in in undergrad together where uh we were making a a ro- robot that that um create like it was a fry cook a fry cook robot all right <laughs> and um so so i guess that's that's where the like kind of at least for for me um like, like yeah i've always loved physical and digital that intersection and and isaac and i have have worked together so what about you, Isaac? Where did where did your like love, passion for technology come about? Was it at a young age? Was it more in college, like uh, Nico? Or yeah, it was definitely at a young age. So um, I, I found that it's a very creative and innovative space, um, the, the tech world, and that you know you can sit down on your computer and you can you know write code and sort of make anything. You know, even if it's just you know some website that only you're going to see. You know, it's a it, it's a really unique. Uh, hobby and activity that you know you can create these things um, out of software and uh, yeah I, I always was fascinated by it and um, so I studied it at U of M and that, that's where I went, met Nico and uh, yeah we, we had a few projects together as well that we really enjoyed and you know we kind of developed them from the ground up like Nico talked about the, uh, the robotic arm that was a, a fry cook so it would you know do the whole process of 
of cooking a, a, a patty. And um, yeah, it was really neat. So it, it would use computer vision, you know, deep learning and, you know, motion control to, you know, uh, do that whole process. And yeah, we, we both fell in love with um, developing things from the ground up and um, yeah, really being innovative in this space. Yeah, to, to add to that, I think, I think blockchain technology in specific really kind of struck a chord with me and Isaac um, because like the, the whole idea of blockchain is, is like you, you're decentralized, right? Like there's no central authority, uh, like one central power structure and one central authority. It's like everyone has their, like the power to take the, their technology into their own hands. And I think Isaac and I have both been kind of always a little like anti-authority. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that, that, that aspect of blockchain, I think really, um, it out to us as something cool and uh, transformative. Is very link your guys's first um, step into like a startup business outside of college, or even before college? So i I worked on a, another startup, uh, Flash Plays, right out of college. Um, and, and Isaac, I'll I'll let you talk about yourself. <laughs> yeah, this is this is my first step into the, the startup world and actually um, creating a business, you know, in a, in a product that we're selling to people. For for you, Nico, that that platform, the startup that you you uh, jumped on beforehand, what was the process like? That when you were on the other side, you were maybe were in the leading the charge, but you're one of the team members, kind of building this brand up. How, how was that when you first got out of college? What was the process like? Um, it was it was interesting. I I took yeah, like you said, I, I wasn't really leading the charge. I was uh, on the team, and I, I handled most of the of the tech. Um, and uh, and building the actual product out, and um, yeah, that that was that was interesting. We uh we we had a we got to the point where we had a partnership with the Miami Dolphins, um, so that was that was exciting. And um, but but yeah, like when when Verling came up, I I uh, I couldn't leave the opportunity on the table. So was the idea? I'm guessing it's probably a mutual idea, or did who came up with the original idea, and how did you guys uh, kind of talk it over to? To kind of put the uh, one step in front of the other. Yeah, I, I came up with the idea actually, um, and then, but like, I, I'm a firm believer like the idea isn't really that important. Like, I, I mean, yeah, it is kind of like the branching off point, like like where where this whole like journey started. But but right, at, like literally, like like 20, 30 minutes after it like kind of came to me, like we can link these physical things to NFTs. I called Isaac up and and we talked about it and developed it a lot more. Did he have to sell it to you much, uh, Isaac? Uh, no, I was pretty sold. So I was uh, really interested in blockchain at the time. I was reading up on it a lot and actually doing a little development on my own. So it, it came at a great time. Well, um, you were you were pretty critical. Like like you were uh, you were you were trying to tear it apart, which is like one of the things I like about you, Isaac. You right, yeah, apart, you know. <laughs> as any you idea, couldn't, <laughs> you couldn't tear it right, apart. As any idea that you can invest some time into and. Uh, um yeah really put some effort into you know you you want to you know try to poke holes at it and see you know why hasn't someone done this before if this is you know such a um such a great idea that the market needs you know why hasn't it been done before and you know all the all the usual questions that, that you have well, in building a startup right i mean it seems like at least from the outside looking in that the barrier of entry is fairly low except for knowledge, at least monetary, it's fairly low, maybe time that you put into it and how you quantify the time you put into it. When you guys were looking at the idea of building your own startup, 
what kind of barriers you're looking at, what kind of time are you put, thinking about putting into it? What did you think you're going to have to do before you actually did it? I think Isaac, you're, you're better equipped to handle this. Yeah. So I, I guess, yeah, the, 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 there was a lot of questions packed in there, but um, yeah. So the, the barrier to entry there was definitely knowledge. So we wanted to make sure that we had, you know, a full understanding of this uh, tech that we were trying to build, at, at least from a, from a um, high level perspective, you know, so that we knew that we were, we were the people that could, could tackle this, this problem and, and make this technology. So de definitely knowledge. And um, we were both familiar with blockchain uh, development. And also my background is in embedded systems. And Nico's done a lot of work in embedded systems as well. So, you know, we, we really had the, we really had the knowledge down, I would say, but um, yeah, there's always the obstacles of, uh, you know, how do, how do we start this business? You know, what are the first steps to get in there? How do we start reaching out to people and getting the word out about this and, you know, getting people to test our product and um, yeah, really just breaking into the, um, in, in our case, since we're trying to uh, enter the art market in the art world, you know, how, how do we enter that? Especially because, you know, uh, between Nico and I, we don't have much experience in, in the art world, in the art industry. So um, definitely a learning process uh, trying to uh, enter that market. Yeah, I, I, I'll add to that. And I think that the fact that we are kind of going into the physical world is is a is a barrier to entry um because like yeah like like this is one of the things we talked about when, when we were first starting like and and like you like you said Vinny, everyone and and their and their mother has like a business idea uh for a startup and like i think for the most part these are all in like the software world like i don't know like the the uber of facebook's or the <laughs> facebook of ubers you know uh but but like i think what kind of sold at least me on this idea um especially was that uh we are going into the hardware world and it's somewhere where uh especially isaac has has a has a unique experience in and that isn't very common and kind of sets us apart now when you're looking in this in this field right as a startup and I, and I don't know what the process was when you started your first one Nico or when you were part of the first startup if they because I from what I understand right talking to different people that have built their own startups and kind of gone through it sometimes it's monetary based sometimes uh, it's stake in the company I mean for yourselves being that you guys are leading the charge how do you balance that act of going okay we're gonna put our time and effort into the startup also we need to put food on our table, a place to stay. How does that kind of balancing act work when you're kind of building your own startup? Uh, so I, I know the answer is very different for Isaac, but for, for me at least, uh, I, I've i been able to, so I'm, I'm living in Ann Arbor right now where, where living is uh, comparably, like it's a lot cheaper than if I were to live in like the Bay Area or New York, for example. Um, so that, that's one, one way I've been able to manage that. Um, also I, uh, I made some, some like early investments in crypto and I'm like, I'm not like, I'm not like, I didn't like make it huge by any means, but I, I made enough to like keep myself going and, and be able to pursue this full time, um, for, for the time being. What, what about, what about you, Isaac? Yeah. In my case, um, when Nico approached me with this idea, I was already at a full-time position, software engineering position. 
And um, yeah, I've continued with it so far. And it's just been balancing my time between Verilink and, you know, this other positions so that, you know, I can be successful in both and, you know, put a lot of effort into both. Now, and the, the balancing act of it and the idea of transitioning over to the startup when that time comes about, I mean, usually it's, I'm talking to people where they've been in your situation and we're talking down the road and they go, okay, well, we, I made the choice. I made the jump when this happened. Do you have something in, in your mind, in your head, if you would make the jump and when that would be, if there's a, a milestone that that would have to, to hit to make it actually possible? Right. So I've already promised Nico that uh, when we do get funding, um, that's on the table. So that, that, that's, that's kind of the event there that, that we're looking for. Okay. So when, when yeah. funding, and then the process right. of getting funding, I mean, I guess for, for, for you, Nico, I mean, now that you're, you and Isaac are leading the charge of getting funding, where are you kind of getting the knowledge base or getting the understanding of, to go after these venture capitalists or find funding? Where are you kind of uh, uh, getting the information of, of where to go and who to talk to? Yeah, that, that's a really good question. Um, and mainly, uh, I, I was fortunate enough where, where someone, someone actually reached out to me. Um, and, uh, and, and he, like, he's been great. Uh, he's been helping me navigate this like new, new world to me. Uh, so, so there's that. And, uh, also I've, I do have like some, some friends in this, uh, who kind of gone through gone through the ringer before, uh, especially at uh, at Flash Place where I used to work. Um, they've also given me some good advice, and um, and yeah, pe people have people have been surprisingly helpful, um, and and yeah, yeah, pe people like if I just ask them for help, like a lot of them are willing to uh, give some advice, and like. So, and yeah, it can help to have like some something that kind of aligns your incentives. Like if they're an investor, like they have the potential to invest in in us, right? And then they're they're probably they'd probably be more willing to give some some advice. But in general, I found people to be surprisingly friendly and, and open to giving advice. How do you balance out? Because I would guess not everyone is is friendly and positive about your decision. I mean. There might be people around you. What are you doing? What are you thinking? How do you steer away from those kind of individuals or try to think positive when you're around those individuals? Yeah, I, there haven't been too many people like that. And, uh, I, I think honestly, I, I think I, I know my situation better than other people. So I take, I take what they say with a, with a grain of salt. Um, and, and, and honestly, like a lot of people who have come to me, they're like, why don't you just, you know, like get a job at like a big tech company. Um, but then I'll explain the potential that, that I think this company has. And, and actually every, everyone I've done that to has, has been like, oh, okay, you, you, I think you, you have a point here. Um, so yeah, at least that's for me personally. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll go back to you, Nico, and then I'll jump to Isaac where does that confidence come from? Is it because you have such a, a strong game plan of how you're going to get to building this brand up? Is it because your past history? Is it because you just have confidence? I mean, where does that kind of confidence come from? I, that's a complicated question, but have you heard of Gary Tan? 
No. Gary Tan? No. Yeah, he, he's a he's a venture capitalist and uh, he has a YouTube channel. Um, I yeah, I, I would really recommend him. Uh, he, he talks about he talks about the risk of not taking a risk <laughs> a, a lot. And and it's kind of like that, that really struck me because like I, I I I'm in a position where like yeah, I could I could go get like a job. Uh, a more stable job, especially like a big tech company with a CS degree, um, but but yeah, like like you said, there, there's there's honestly a risk that you take from from not taking a risk like we are, in that like in the future I might look back and and just kind of feel like shit for for not I don't know if I can swear aside. <laughs> oh, you're you're probably fine. Yeah, I mean, yeah. try to be as as real as possible. Like, I appreciate that. What 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 about you, what about you, Isaac? I mean. I mean, I know you have your, your steady, you have a steady paycheck, but you're still putting, it sounds like a lot of time into this platform also. I mean, do you get any kind of those negative comments of why are you putting your spare time here? Let's go do this instead or anything like that. Does that pop out for you? Uh, not really. Most of everyone I've talked to is really encouraging about it. And they kind of know my personality and that if I wasn't working on this, I, I would be tinkering around with something else. You know, I would be doing another tech, project or, or something like that so um yeah everyone's really encouraging about it and it, it's uh for, for me you know I, i'm in a different situation from nico and um yeah for me it's mostly a, uh j just a time commitment after after work so you know after work to to bedtime i'll work on Verilink, and then on the weekends you know sometimes i get out you know to surf on the weekends but um yeah other times you know it's full of Verilink. so um, yeah, it's more of a time commitment for me, and I really enjoy it too. That, that's the thing. Um, I really enjoy blockchain development, working with Nico, and um, working on this startup. So it, it's not as much as a sacrifice to me as a really cool opportunity to w work on some really cool tech with uh, friends. So yeah, yeah that 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 that's that's a, a, another really really good point. It's it's just really fun. Uh, like, and the stuff, stuff we're doing is genuinely like cool. So, um, yeah, a lot of times it just doesn't feel like I'm, I'm sacrificing like, like a more stable income or anything. Cause it's just like, I'm meeting like these, these really cool people and, uh, entering this, this really interesting world of, of blockchain and, and like, like visa, like venture capitalists and, and all that. Yeah. yeah. Let's say we were talking in, in five years from now. Where do you see yourself, Nico, and where do you see basic Verlink? Five years from now, um, I see, I see us uh, being the go-to solution for um, linking NFTs to physical objects, and uh, and I, I see us having pretty much solved counterfeiting with with high-end items and. Um, and I, I also see uh, people looking to us to to get onboarded onto crypto, because I think we serve as a as a place for people to get into the ecosystem of like of crypto and NFTs, um, because like everyone understands like something that they can hold and like touch, but it's it's a lot harder for people to like conceptualize like what a crypto wallet is and. And like like transfers of ownership and, and public private key, so that like you need to understand to understand crypto. I, I just downloaded uh, what was it Coinbase 
like last week. I actually <laughs> got to get put some money onto it. But I was like, oh my gosh, you know what? I keep on seeing this like on Twitter. I see it everywhere. I gotta just buy some currency just so I have it, just so I can uh, join the fun. What about uh, what about you, Isaac? Where do you see yourself and uh, Verilink in five years from now? Uh, yeah, I see us following this trend. I mean, so if, if you look at the the past, you know, technological trends, you know, you had email in the late '90s, early 2000s, and all of a sudden, everyone widely adopts it. Everyone has an email address. You know, in the uh, 2010s, you see um, everyone adopts that they have an HTTPS page, right through Facebook and Twitter. They they have a, a web page, you know, designated to themselves, an address that way. And it, I, I think in in the following years. Um, and in this decade, you will see that a wide amount of people, and it'll be widely adopted that everyone will have a, a crypto address and it'll just be common case, you know, just, just like email address and, you know, Facebook and social media is so common, you know, that, that, that's just another step in the process. And I think that Verilink has a really unique opportunity here because, um, like, like Nico mentioned, we have, um, proof of authenticity through, you know, that this physical, uh, the physical item being linked to the blockchain, we can prove that it's that unique item. But there's a lot of other applications that that we can delve into with this technology. Um, for, for example, you know, proof of location. So since um, it's a physical item that's scanned and it can drop an NFT in your wallet, um, potentially, then in, in that case, it could be a proof of location by you scan this physical item and it's in a physical location and it's tracked on the blockchain. And um, yeah, so, so there's a lot of different uh, applications for this. And um, also to add a unique uh, digital experience to uh, physical objects. So I, I was actually talking to Nico in, in the gaming industry, right? You see a lot of people for these games, they'll spend a lot of money on like skins and in-game items for their, their character. And um, yeah, it, it, it's not other question that, you know, you might see down the road that uh, a Verilink luxury product offers an in-game uh, item as well. You know, that, that same luxury product you can have in-game because it's linked from the physical item to the blockchain. So it's in the digital world. Have either of you guys read or seen the movie for Ready Player One? Yep. Uh, yeah. Okay, this is just a random, random idea. But how, how long do you think until we actually get i mean virtual reality where we're in there using cryptocurrency to buy things and living a, a truly a second life what do you, what would be your your rough guess do you or do you even think that's something down the road yeah i think that's i mean we're, we're already sort of living that right through social media where everyone's online and they're living in this digital reality where you know, you, you have pictures and, you know, content on social media that you follow. And it, it's not really real physical life, but you, you're already living in that that reality. Um, so it, it's sort of already happening. And but I think what you're talking about is that, like, you know, you're inside this new world and you're a part of this new world. And um, you might own assets in the new world, like land and, you know, clothes and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, th I think blockchain will definitely be enabling technology for that. Yeah, because they tried to do that. What was it like ten years ago? I think they tried to do it. And I think it was a big push for it was like Second Life. I think it was called, and then it kind of slowly, I think, dropped off the map. But it was big for a little while. Where actually companies had their own islands on there, and so I don't know if it's something that we'll see in the the future or how long that might be. Yeah, I, 
I think, uh, do you know VR chat is? No. So it, it's like, a, do you know like the Ugandan knuckle meme? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, never mind. They, they're, um, they're kind of like, uh, they're, they're a virtual reality game where people just go and hang out oh. uh, and just interact and you can have like an avatar. I've never played Second Life, but I'm I'm tempted to say it's kind of like what Second Life. I I don't I don't really know to be honest, but um, yeah. yeah. So there's there's VR chat, and I think like I think a big barrier to the to the I mean what you're getting at is like the metaverse, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and so I think I think a big barrier to the metaverse is is true decentralization and true interoperability of uh, of like the protocols. So if you have one company running like Second Life, then if anything happens to that company or uh, people people find it kind of like they, they find something else to latch onto, like like Fortnite, you know, then Second Life dies as it did, and and you know people move on. But like with the metaverse, what what I think uh, needs to happen is a complete like there needs to be complete interoperability between all of these um, between all these technologies. So people can just hop from Second Life to Fortnite, kind of like in Ready Player One, where there there wasn't like multiple different like like universes. There was just that one metaverse, and that that's easier said than done. That interoperability and that that true decentralization makes sense. Yeah, I mean, if someone's listening right now and and they kind of want to hear more about your guys's adventure, your guys's journey, or investment opportunities. Um, what's the best, or just reach out to you two, what's the best way of them kind of uh, hearing more? Yeah, so our our website uh, is verilinkblockchain.com um, and they can go there to, to check out uh, more about us. In, in terms of investment opportunities, uh, so currently we have some items listed under our gallery, which you can find through our website. And uh, yeah, you can, if you want, you can invest in, in these physical NF- NFTs that are backed. Th- th- yeah, these NFTs backed by physical assets. Yeah, and I'll, I'll leave it off with this very, very last question. If you guys, ha- let's say we're talking again, five, 10, 10 years from now, is there going to be a dominate cryptocurrency? And if there is, what would your guess be? Uh, which one would it be? Any guesses? Ethereum all the way. Ethereum? <laughs> I'm on the other side. So uh, I think Bitcoin will be the dominating cryptocurrency. But Ethereum, so the concept of Bitcoin and Ethereum are a lot different. So Ethereum is meant for these uh, DApps, decentralized applications and these smart contracts, where Bitcoin is just a pure cryptocurrency where um, it, it, its meaning is a, a store of value. And um, so, yeah, the, the two blockchain networks have have different concepts behind them. And um, so I think as a store of value in transactions, it would be Bitcoin that that we see uh, being adopted. Well, either way, I, I hope to watch this in five, 10 years from now and reach out to, to both you guys and say, oh, you were right and the other one was wrong. So I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate you guys and thank you for being here. Uh, love your journey. Hopefully everyone listening got some great nuggets. I want you two to know Yes, even though you're, you're younger than myself and you're, you're younger, right? You're not the youngest startup I've had on here. I had someone that did, is 16 years old. Uh, so, 
Yeah, I mean, it's 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 crazy. And people listening right now, and I ha- I've had people that start up in their 40s and 50s. I mean, if you have an idea and have a passion, I mean, all it takes is basically that first step, that knowledge base, that information. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you for your what you're doing. Some of it went over my head, but I think I got the gist of it. And hopefully people listening got the gist of it. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.